Have you or anyone you know ever been emotionally destroyed by a book? Have you ever got the feels for a fictional character? Have you ever been hungover after an all-night book binge? Then pull up a seat, pour yourself a glass, and hang on to your candle. This is Drinking Ink. Hey friends, Brittany here. Before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to drop in with a note on our content. While books are for everyone, this podcast was created for adult audiences only. We advise listener and reader discretion as we will likely delve into difficult and sometimes triggering content often seen in literature such as graphic depictions of violence, frank portrayals of sexuality, discussion of mental illness, and existential struggle. And on occasion, some downright filthy language. It might be a lot to take in, so if you need a breather, take a break, or come back later. We'll be here for you. All right. We're talking about nonfiction today. Nonfiction, meaning stuff that happens in the real world, about real people, real issues, real things, all of that stuff. And I know that two of us read a fair amount of nonfiction. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe before we jump into our recs, maybe we should find out why Mia does not read nonfiction that much. I don't know. Like for me, reading... So when I learned to read, reading was very difficult for me to pick up at first. And I had a hard time um, just like reading in general. Um, Like I I had like a slight lisp when I was younger. Like I couldn't pronounce church or purse properly. Like it was a very sensitive thing for me at that age. But um, once I did pick up reading, I was like very fast at it. And typically it has to be something that holds my interest. Um, I'm somewhat of a like mood reader I guess you could say um and so if something didn't hold my interest it was usually very like boring for me like nonfiction as a child was was very like uh, like this is not fun and so when I like having those experience of you know fic- nonfiction not being a really enjoyable thing for me it, it kind of somewhat affected how I saw nonfiction as I got older um and I think part of it is like I I feel like sometimes people are preaching at me and I've dealt with so much that it's almost just like, oh my goodness, like, okay, like I get it. Like so I, you're I know thinking more specifically in the in the lines of like self-help, yeah, slash, you know, like, you know, guru type wealthy barber, seven habits yeah. for seven for yeah, that kind of yeah. I could absolutely see how that would not be interesting. And so I was not a fan of those. Right. Um, And I think that like, like, I I think another part of it. So for like traditionally like biography nonfiction or like there was a few things I would read growing up that were like biographical nonfiction. But, you know, I honestly could not tell you. Um, And I think sometimes for me, I would internalize like reading the stories of people and like what they dealt with. And and, like, I had such a hard time pulling myself out of the emotional aspect of it. And like, I didn't want to feel that really intense, like emotion of what they were dealing with because I, I, my brain works like that. Um, And so it was really hard for me to not be traumatized by certain things because I was just kind of like internalized what they were dealing with and almost like feel that pain. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to feel that. but, but I guess like the biggest overarching idea was it just didn't interest me. Like I could never get myself to really like, like I read to escape what was going on in my life. I read to escape the not so fun parts of life because like life as a child was not the greatest for me. Um, and so reading was purely something that I did because it was a way for me to escape, escape. 
and I wanted to enjoy what I was reading. I, I wanted to, you know, have that linear idea of a structured story. Um, so nonfiction never really like called, tugged at my heartstrings. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I think I think that is kind of the big divide between people who read fiction and people who read non nonfiction. Like, if you're reading fiction, the general consensus or idea like there's this veil of escapism. So there is a fantasy world or make-believe characters that are experiencing it, not a real human being that you can put a face and a name and a birthday to, mm -hmm. which can make it, things really challenging. Yeah, it, yeah, definitely. You know, because there's a sense of realism. There's like, you know, that's a person who's experienced life. And for me, being like, because I struggle with the personality disorder that makes all of my emotions like that much more heightened. And so I feel those emotions that they've dealt with. And I don't like feeling those emotions that they dealt with. Um, you know, I want to read, like, obviously, there are certain books I don't read that are fiction because they're just like too much triggering and, and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, in nonfiction, you know, it's happened, like, you know, that's actually been something they experienced in real life and for me I couldn't help but internalize that emotional experience that they had yeah um, yeah so I just typically stayed away from nonfiction unless it was like I mean I do read sometimes like um I read like Jenny Jenny Slate uh like Little Weirds and that was interesting it was like a kind of like a, a different way of like she she write like it's almost like poem style um so it was very like outside the box it was it was interesting um and like christian i wouldn't say self-help um books i would say more like it's hard to explain them they're just like more so like self-discovery i guess would would be rather than just self-help yeah that's fair my <laughs> first foray into nonfiction was with the chicken noodle soup I, those books are book. so good oh, i've never read those they're There's... they're really collaborative and they're yeah they're, i remember like i had chicken soup chicken soup for the kids soul and then my mom bought me chicken soup for the teen soul and yeah. then it was like chicken soup for the christian soul and then like the and like I, was, I had like, like seven or eight different oh, editions those of great. chicken soup. but i really for me i really started getting into biographies in high school and it was like like reading rock star biographies so like right, Pudge, <laughs> um, I read uh, the first biography that I can really remember reading was um, oh my god it was the not it wasn't Slash his name was Duff from Duff McKay McKagan Duff McKagan oh my gosh I can't believe that I can't remember that um, Duff McKagan from Guns and Roses and he had put out a book called it's so easy and other lies in 2011 so i was just out of high school i would have been early 20s and it was really i just i found it really interesting that peek behind the curtain and i think that's what's got me so interested in so interested in the nonfiction aspect of things like i like to learn about stuff that's tr that's that's true like i love reading you know biopics and watching biopics on like things like Waco and the FLDS Warren Jess thing um the church of we're not going to mention it because I don't want to be on a watch Ooh. list um <laughs> well, I know what you mean uh I just I find the psychology behind all of that really interesting and I never really leaned into the self-help books but one book in particular that 
I now will recommend if anyone is like, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm not sure what I'm doing or I'm feeling weird. If I ever need to just get real with myself, I, uh, I always recommend the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson. I've heard so many good things about that book. That book literally changed the way that I perceive my life because up until I read that book and I'm, I think I read it about five years, six years ago. Um, I had this, the, my worldview is so skewed. And then I read this and the whole concept behind this book is that you are not the exception. You are the rule and learning to live with the fact that, you know, you are the rule and not the exception is a really difficult concept. And it was just so incredible. And it's not a, it's not a fiction book in the sense that it's not made up or made up about people, but it's just really, it's really, really good. Like, and I'm just going to fire off a few quotes because I love it so much. Like one of them is like, who you are is defined by what you're willing to struggle for. You know, Mm -hmm. the concept of like you and everyone, you know, are going to be dead soon. And in the short amount of time between here and there, you have a limited amount of fucks to give. Very few, in fact. And if you go around giving a fuck about everything and everyone without conscious thought or choice, well, then you're going to get fucked. You know, like, it's just, it's so good. (laughs) And I haven't been able to find anything else nonfiction-wise quite like it. He does have a second one out called um, Everything is, Everything is Fucked, I think is the second one. And there was another blue covered one. Yeah, everything is, I, that's the one. Everything is, uh, yeah. and it's, I haven't read it yet, but I, I keep meaning to pick it up. No, I've heard good things with that, those, that book, like, and it stands out, like, it's funny, like, that sort of thing stands out to you when you're going to a bookstore. And, Not and, just the fact that it has a bright orange cover and it says fuck on it, but. Just, I want to know, I want to, I want to know what agent took that to the meeting. And I was like, or they were like, you know what? I got a story for you. But it's like, it's like, I love it when you have an author like that who's very outspoken in the sense of like, not afraid to, you know, to to voice what they feel is important to say. Um, Because I feel like that really defines like a book. And especially when it's a nonfiction book, it's not like you make up a story and you're you're capturing your readers in the sense of, of a fictional made up story. Like this is like real stuff that you have to make enjoyable. And, and so you can, being yourself in your writing is always something that I appreciate when you're reading nonfiction because it almost makes your reading a little more enjoyable. Yeah. I, and, but there's also that arm's length thing, right? With nonfiction, it's in your face. It's right. It's direct. It's happening in the here and now. Whereas I feel like with fiction and this is every genre of fiction, there's always that like degree of separation between yourself and the character. We mm-hmm. can relate very heavily with characters and we can develop emotional attachments to characters. Absolutely. But there's always that like, not quite six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but like mm-hmm. that degree of separation between, oh, this is a fiction book and this is not real versus, oh, this they're, is, this is actually, very real. Yeah. And very so relevant to, to my you. life in this moment. Yeah, exactly. I found with the relevancy thing, if, if you can find a topic that interests you it's not that hard to get into nonfiction, and nowadays you can find nonfiction written in all types of formats it's not like it was in the old days like very black and white dry writing 
by these all biographies all ghost written yes like these highbrow academics there's there's non-fiction works out there um that can condense things or they'll present them in different types of formats Mm. like graphic novels graphic comics things like that that can the books for dummies series that um john green's newest book the anthropocene reviewed um which is based around the podcast that he did uh that's a really good book and i don't and it's like was it a good book because i'm just a nerd that's fascinated by everything was it a good book because john green wrote it and he's a good writer uh i listened to it on audible and i just i i enjoy john green's voice was it a good book because he read it like if someone else had read it would i have enjoyed it as much i don't know and that's the thing with nonfiction is is you have to be captivating and and even if it's not as interesting to some people like to be captivating is is what gets your readers two non-fictions i've read this year um one just within the last week uh is everything is okay by debbie tongue it doesn't come out until the end of september i read an arc of it but it's a graphic comic book essentially on what it's like living with depression and anxiety and having to you know take that plunge down to the to rock bottom and how you climb your way back out of it and it's basically from tongue's own experience and it's so realistic to what it's like living with like severe depression and going through those spells that i was like dang this sounds like you know my 2021 year like she must have been there (laughs) she must have been there with me right Uh, uh, another one was Gender Queer by Maya Kobab. Uh, there's a special edition that was released either sometime this year, but the book itself has been out for a minute. But it's a graphic comic representation of what it's like growing up gender fluid and how you figure that out and how do you tell people? How do you how do you go about you know becoming a person while you're trying to figure this out? So both of those deal with like really deep topics that you know traditionally might have been given in like some medical term you know dry writing well now you can read it as a graphic comic and Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that a big chunk of the population can relate to like for me one of the nonfiction readers that i will uh, writers that i read will read like i this one book sticks out to me and it's called uninvited um it's by a christian author so it's obviously not for everyone but i'm reading it and it was specifically about you know this feeling of not being you know, part of, of something like for me, I grew up and I didn't have really many friends, if any, and I was made fun of a lot. And so I really struggled with, you know, not being included and reading this book just spoke to me because essentially she's saying like, yeah, sometimes you're going to feel like you're uninvited and like, it sucks. It's hard, but there are ways to make it through. And it's just like, she spoke to me like it felt like she was speaking to me as a person even though she was speaking to a group as a collective because obviously like I'm probably not the only person who's felt that way before but just you know the way that she wrote really just grabbed you as a reader and you're like oh my goodness I feel seen I feel heard I feel understood by someone other than myself I I can really resonate with that because I think as readers we get drawn into the world of reading because we are looking for connection whether that be a connection that is in the form of escapism into some fantasy land or to a 
mystery like because we want to feel an, an, a, a connection either to the story or to the characters and in nonfiction, we want to feel that connection to our own maybe our own humanity per so per se and like understanding others because I mean people read biographies why because they want to know more about the celebrity that it's written about mm-hmm. they're interested in knowing more about that person when someone's going to read a self-help book they're trying to better understand themselves if someone's reading um you know the wealthy barber maybe they're trying to break some budget hat like you know budgeting bad habits like readers in general are just searching for a form of connection in some way and how they connect with that media is kind of what keeps them so like there's people that are just really into the nonfiction because they just can't make out that emotional connection in fiction and there are people who only read fiction because they're just not able to get they're either not able to to emotionally manage or they struggle to find that connection on a, on a physical level with real life stories. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and I love that there's a diversity in, you know, in, in just in readers in general, the fact that, that there's this, but also connection that we have as readers. It's like the reason why we read might be slightly different, but, but the, the basis of reading is, you know, we want to connect with something. Um, even though a lot of us are introverts, I mean, not everyone is an introvert who reads, but um, the fact that, you know, we like to be solitary or by ourselves, but we also still, you know, strive and yearn for that connection because we are human. Like that is a necessary part of being human is, is, is connection with other people. Um, and so I think it's like just wonderful that there's such a diversity in that connection, though, that it, we're not all just the same human beings that are copy and pasted. I can agree non- with that. Nonfiction can give a good input to like that, too, because there's a lot of things about other cultures, religions, places in the world that I've. I've learned because I've read something in the realm of nonfiction. And usually I find my nonfiction through rabbit holes. I'll have like something that interests me or Goodreads will like recommend a book to me. And that just, that sets off a chain reaction. I probably Mm -hmm. have like 10 different nonfiction books that are like all based around the idea of Mary Shelley and like the science of Mary Shelley's time in the late um, Regency era and the Victorian era. It, it all started with a rabbit hole. <laughs> now I can tell you a whole lot about medical practices uh, in the Regency era because of nonfiction works. Like that's how I found out. Right? No, I get that. Like I've got, I've got a couple. A lot of my nonfiction books have come from the ones I do have have come from sometimes like schooling as well when I was in university. And um, like there are a couple that I will not part with that I like. I'm very like. Um, what's that word attached Uh, attached yes attached to these books and it's funny because like when I think about my own you know experience with nonfiction, I'm very very selective with the nonfiction that I do read because it has to interest me um and these two like it's a small little book and it's on like personality types of the anagram and I just found that so like so interesting and that it's like this is like no one touches this like this is my baby um but it's funny how someone who's not big on nonfiction can find something that's nonfiction and like just, you know, cherish that little book. Um, but it's like, because I'm a big, I'm a big history buff and like I love the information you can find. But yeah, I get it. Hyperfixating on something, I will go through periods of time of loving a certain idea or a certain, you know, like 
British history or, you know, whatever, whatever else it is, um, where it's like, I want to know more and more and more about that. Uh, my favorite nonfiction is Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs by <laughs> Caitlin Dowdy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Back what? up. What? Uh, Caitlin Dowdy, she runs a YouTube channel. She is a mortician. Oh, and she, oh, I know exactly oh, who this woman is. She yes. Black, she has black hair. Black like, hair. Yes, yes. I know who you're talking about. She's got a couple of books. Uh, there's uh, something with eternity. There's Smoke Gets Into Your Eyes, which is her first book, which is like her early works in the funeral. Uh, yes, what's the word? Yes. Funeral. The funeral. What is the word? Occupation. Industry. Industry. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. My favorite of hers is Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs, which is basically she just answers these random questions that like little kids would ask about death and stuff like that. Oh, but she's also one of those people that I enjoy listening to her talk. She could talk about the most boring thing on planet Earth, but I enjoy her voice. I enjoy the way she speaks. So I'm going to listen to her. But yeah, oh, that is a great, that is a great book. Or like, I have this one YouTuber I love. She's like, how to ADHD. And so for someone like myself, who is neurodivergent, I'm always interested in knowing like, how the heck do I manage my life having a, like a neuro divergent brain and she has the most soothing voice like it's just so, like it's, I could listen to her voice for hours um and like just yeah certain people just speak to you as a as an individual and it just they're interesting I I I almost kind of am curious as to what your thoughts are on this with respect to the different types of ways that we can consume nonfiction, right? Like we talked about like there's graphic novels. There's, I mean, we obviously have audiobooks, we have paperback books and um, I'm almost hesitant. Like, would you consider like podcasts, you know, to maybe fall into that sort of nonfiction work or is this more of an audio medium? I mean, we're talking specifically about books on our podcast, but. I personally think that they do count as like, non-fiction material because it's 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 information that's based in some sort of fact as a former teacher like I would classify podcasts as like a form of like non-fiction education but then also at the same time like where does that line start to blur or like distinguish itself from a podcast versus an audiobook right uh but as a as a former teacher you know if you can if you can get somebody to consume information and retain it and be interested in it and learn something from it then the manner in which they do that whether it's podcast audiobook graphic novel a children's picture book isn't really going to be like what's focused on it did you learn something are you curious now to learn more that's usually what we would focus on yeah and it's like when I think about education and that and like learning and it's funny because like this isn't a book but I just think of uh my nephew who's four watches this show called fixies and you know I, like there's been this big like spike in people wanting to you know educate children at young the youngest age possible um but the in, the unique thing about this show he watches is that yes it educates but it's interesting like me as an adult I will sit down with him sometimes and just listen to this show because it, it actually teaches you like um in a way that is like a basic way but also not dumbing down the information and like still authentically teaching but it's actually like 
you can apply it to your everyday life, even as an adult. And it's so interesting how he'll come to us and tell us these things randomly that we're just like, where did you hear this? Like, I don't even know that. Um, but it's like things that he can apply to life, even if he's only four, like it might not do it himself, but he's like, I know how this works or this works. And it's just like, it, it's so interesting because there are things I remember from the show that, I mean, it's not geared towards me, but I still learn things from even just like hearing in the background. So it's just really cool to see how things have changed in the present day to, you know, become more and more educational, but also interesting in the same sense. One, one caveat when it comes to nonfiction though, is you have to, depending on like, and this is more for like traditionally written like book nonfictions or even to children's books nonfiction, you have to pay attention to who's writing the story what are their qualifications to write said story? Mm -hmm. um, for instance, like I just recently hauled a whole bunch of children's picture books, which is funny to say for someone who has no children. But one of them was called Squanto's Journey. And the only reason I got it, I was like, I want to see how you're going to tell this story. I want to see, I want to see how happy Squanto was to appear at this supposed first Thanksgiving, right? Whoever you ask are going to tell two different stories of that. If I were to go up to the Wampanoag people and been like, tell me Squanto's story. They're going to have a completely different story than if I go up to some historian uh, in New England and then like, tell me about the first Thanksgiving, right? Mm -hmm. same, with same with Pocahontas. Disney makes us think, oh, Pocahontas wanted to help the settlers. She wanted to be there. She was totally happy to go to London. Mm, really? Mm -hmm. are, you, are you sure? If I go ask the Powhatan people, what are they going to say about it? Yeah, was Matoka <laughs> not like, she was the first MMIW. Let's be real here um mm -hmm. definitely need to look at your source material and I think that's that's another thing too that I mean we don't have time to talk about it today but like critical thinking is we're consuming media right mm -hmm. like you know looking at where things are coming from I just the other day sat through a presentation not a presentation um my in-laws took us to a show uh about the history of the region that I grew up in and so it's short form biographical or autobiographical um musical slash thing and there was one scene right in the beginning where there was a bunch of indigenous people because this is there are indigenous people in the region that i live in and one of the scenes involved one of these indigenous people being brought back to france to you know meet the king and they're like look at he's agreed to come and i had to like lean over to my husband and i was like do you think he really agreed or was he kidnapped but mm -hmm. they're not going to talk about that but yeah, I think you do need to look at who is writing the material and who is, you know, you know, yeah. where and is it coming from? Yeah, there's that, bias with everything. It's important. Like I know for myself, like, like when I read things like, so my family like immigrated from Scotland. That was one of the places we came from. And like, I know with Scotland, Scottish history, there's a lot of it that they lost because of, of you know, wars and, and the British uh, or the English kind of taking over and making these legal but but as I look like even reading some like fiction books that are based on um non-fiction like you look at Outlander and some of the like looking at that I love that it's written by a historian like she know like she's actually like read up on these things and 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 not tried to come across as someone who knows everything they're talking about but rather stick to the facts that you know or as best as possible, because like with history, things get lost. Like looking at Scottish history, they lost a lot of their their culture because of 
another group of people. So there's going to be things you're never going to actually know. Um, and it's sad for like someone who is like culturally like connected to that because there are things in my family that I'll never know about because it's like it's lost to history. Um, but it's so interesting to, to see um, through an accurate representation um, because you feel like your 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 culture is being seen properly and not just like missing represented in media. Well, and I mean, I just think it's important that we look at our at what we're consuming, mm-hmm. right? You know, there was the controversy with re- the book. No, this is a nonfiction book. This is a fiction book, but um, American Dirt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, where it was a story that was praised for being um, an accurate story about the immigration process and, um, you know, being uh, an illegal immigrant in the United States and specifically the Latin community, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't read it. And then um, a white woman had written it. And Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of not so positive discourse around that. And who really should be in charge of telling those stories? Like, am I going to read a book about reconciliation and the best way to reconcile with indigenous people written by a white person? Mm-hmm. Maybe not the best resource. Exactly. To read about, right? So. Yeah, because you want it to be represented properly. Well, you want to make sure the information you're getting is accurate. That's, that's yeah, exactly. you know, as accurate as it can be, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got a very uh, like intense face there, Rebecca. What are you looking at? Uh, going down a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, um, well, uh, maybe to break up our rabbit holes, why don't we pause for like 30 um, seconds and we're gonna fish for one quote from one of our favorite nonfiction books? Take like you know, five minutes to do that. And then we can wrap up on that. Okay. So we've done our five minute Google, which, um, to those not listening was like a 20 minute, uh, gab while we searched our books. (laughs) We had to take a detour to admire Cassian. Yeah. Just a little one. All right. Mia, what book are you reading your quote from today? So I'm reading my quote from a book I was saying about earlier called Uninvited by Lisa Trigist. Um, mine is literally like the beginning of a chapter. Um, it's been a while since I've read this. So, but so basically I will give you a little background that literally the name of the chapter is hello. My name is trust issues. Got me right, right where I didn't want it to. I have lived entirely too much of my life hesitant. I'm a ponderer, an analyzer, a girl who rearranges thoughts and things to be more orderly. I'd like for all life events to line up with quite a bit of predictability so that I can sense my people and I are headed in the general direction of joy and peace. I crave for life to make sense. I cringe when it doesn't. And this this quote, it just kind of, it, it spoke to me because I am literally like, hello, my name is Trust Issues. And like, that is my life defined, not entirely, but um, so to, to see like the first sentence, the first paragraph of this chapter, her you know, almost like speaking to me specifically, even though it may not have been the intention, but just the fact that I'm just like, I relate to everything that she is saying, because yes, like I, I need sense in life. I need structure. 
Um, so to see that like someone else understands that, you know, the struggle that you like the wrestle of questions and, and um, the, the way that you just you want life to make sense, but it doesn't always make sense. It's like someone understands. And that's a really like freeing thought, a really freeing idea for someone who, you know, is used to reading fiction and, and not really having that that back and forth dialogue with almost like with an author but rather just kind of reading the story and so it is nice to have this like connection to the book that's almost like two-way rather than just like the like separation you get with fiction yeah my quote is from the subtle art of giving a fuck by mark manson because i love that book so much it is quotable beyond belief and everybody should go and read it right now uh, and i just i love this because it's got a little bit of that classic flavor to it um and it says, in my life, I have given a fuck about many people and many things. I have also not given a fuck about many people and many things. And like the road not taken, it was the fucks not given that made all the difference. And I just love it because it reminds you like the shit that you don't care about, like the, 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 the emotional investment that you, you don't have to put out into the world usually leaves you a lot calmer like when you don't care about stuff that is not important it's like don't sweat the small stuff but a little more direct in my opinion mine is from tuesdays with maury by mitch oh, album that's a great book yes uh of all the, the quotes that could come out of that because my, my poor copy's more red ink than anything at this point uh don't let go too soon don't hold on too long which at my point in life I think is a good it's a good quote because I'm at that transition phase as well well it's like okay so what what are we gonna outgrow and what are we gonna aim towards yeah I love mm -hmm. that I love Mitch Album. he writes really good stuff Tuesdays mm -hmm. with Maurice and then oh my gosh what was the other one he wrote that I can't remember off the top of my head right now the five people you meet in heaven five people you meet in heaven i remember reading that book and being like oh my gosh it was so good it's so good there's uh, one of them a phone call from heaven or something like that i read earlier this year that one was really good too not all christian literature is bad <laughs> right <laughs> there is some really good christian literature out there like i i'm i'm obsessed with mere christianity mm. i do c.s lewis is a very thoughtful writer well, I think that wraps it up for today, ladies. Any final words? Anything we want to add last minute? The crickets have spoken. I think we're good. <laughs> I'm in Mississippi. The crickets don't speak. The cicadas sing. Oh, oh, well. I guess we'll leave it at that. <laughs> you go tend to your cicadas, Rebecca. And we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Want more from the bookish bitches? Follow us on TikTok at Drinking Ink Podcast for updates on our newest episodes, releases, and behind-the-scenes chaos, or send us an email at drinkinginkpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Amazon, Google, Apple, and Spotify to get more bookish podcast fixes. You can also follow our hosts on their personal accounts located in the show notes, along with full transcriptions of this episode and more. Stay thirsty, friends.